This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Decoding the Unknown. As always, hello there. I'm your host, Simon Wams here. One of my writers in this case, my script is still loading. Who wrote this? Katie. Thank you, Katie. It's uh, the Montauk Project. Never heard of this. I don't think this was one of my suggestions. So Katie probably came up with this. Uh, it sounds like it's very mil- It sounds military, doesn't it? It sounds like this is a sort of military operation that happens. Let's find out. Oh, maybe it happened. Maybe it didn't. That's what we do on Decoding the Unknown. We look at the facts and see if anything behind this mystery is real. Let's jump in. We've covered enough weird stuff on this channel to know that a lot of the time there's a kernel of truth around which the whole story develops. We also know that government conspiracies are popular because there's a heck of a lot of shady experimental stuff being done in real life that we'll probably never hear about. So yes, we're heading deep into the secret bunkers here, but we'll meet a familiar face along the way who might just turn the whole thing on its head. Yeah, this is like the uh, whenever something comes out about the government, like uh, the Snowden leaks always come to mind, and it's like holy. Sh- I didn't even realize, like, nah, the government's not spying on us. Why would they do that? And they don't have the technological capacity there. So Sonoda comes to mind and says, oh no, they are and they do. It's like, holy <laughs> That just blew my mind. That was the sort of stuff I'd be like, nah, nah, you got your tinfoil hat on, mate, if you believe that. And then Snowden's like, yeah, it happens. And you're like, fucking hell. It's crazy. Some background. On Montauk Point, New York sits a state park that used to house an active U.S. military base and Air Force station. Nowadays, you can wander around the park, taking in the scenery, checking out the abandoned radar tower, and possibly contracting Lyme disease from the ticks in the area. Fucking ticks, man. I like a little house out in the countryside, in the forest, and I like go out for a walk or something, especially in like summer. And it's like you gotta, you know, I'll use the bug spray and stuff. You gotta check yourself for ticks because if they stay on there, it's like, is it a day or two or something? Then you can get like the. Uh, the, the the Lyme disease or there's another one as well fortunately i got the vaccine against this because i was like jesus i knew a guy who had had lyme disease and it like messed him up like it was it was super intense and i was like oh my god so now i'm always like i got the vaccine i use the bug spray i check myself for ticks important stuff because lyme disease is a bad time it can like mess up your brain and Many people are drawn to the site because of the mysterious story that started coming out of there in the 1980s about secret government experiments that were being conducted on people, including young children. Under the ground of Camp Hero, which is what the base was actually called, a bit on the nose if you ask me, were a network of tunnels and rooms where scientists and military higher-ups were experimenting with mind control, psychic espionage, and interdimensional travel. We just I was just talking about the Stargate project the other day, which is the one where they use like um they were like yeah we'll use psychics to get intelligence from like around the world it's all oh, please 
If this is sounding a bit Stranger Things to you, I'm so far behind on Stranger Things. I saw the first season, and then for some reason I dropped off. Even though me and my wife, we really enjoyed watching it. We really got to get back into it. But then I heard season two wasn't very good. It was that season three. And then, yeah, we just we just never... I should. I should, because it was really quite exciting. Initially pitched with the name Montauk, the mysterious story was the original jumping-off point for the Duffer Brothers' Netflix juggernaut, but production issues had them changing the location to Indiana and calling it Stranger Things instead. Really? Well... There you go, the more you know. Anyway, back in Montauk, all sorts of stuff was going on. Radars were set up in the late 1940s and early 1950s as early warning systems, and in 1960, a massive AN-FPS-35 radar was built that's still a well-known landmark today. Hugely powerful and apparently set up with countermeasures to resist any electronic interference, it messed with local residents' TV reception and reportedly gave people headaches. Could it also have been used as some sort of psychic or mind-entering device? <laughs> what a big radar. It's like the only thing that's going to do is detect you from a distance. And probably not. I mean, it's mostly used for detecting like planes and shit, right? And wasn't radars also... They discovered radar, if I'm not mistaken. There was a guy messing around... No, I'm sorry. They, they A guy messing around with radar... Um, found that a chocolate bar in his pocket had become cooked and that was how microwaves were invented. So maybe it could cook you, but what it can't do is enter your mind and read your thoughts because it's radar. <laughs> Let's leave that until a bit later on. The Montauk Air Force Station was decommissioned in 1981 and was eventually turned over to New York's Parks and Rec, where it, was, where it opened as the Camp Hero State Park in 2002. But was that all there was to it? The story of the Montauk Project. And here we go. The general story of the so-called Montauk Project has a little something like this. Deep underground, in a secret set of labs, subjects, in large part runaway or vulnerable children or young people, were broken down with so much psychological, physical, and pharmaceutical abuse that they became totally compliant, and the lab staff could effectively program them to do whatever they wanted. This sounds a bit Manchurian candidate, doesn't it? With the help of devices such as a chair that helped focus telepathic energy, these subjects were able to see through the eyes of other people elsewhere on the planet, manifest physical objects from their minds, and even open up portals in space and time. Pretty handy, yes? I mean, the least handy one there would be able, being able to see through other people's eyes. Being able to summon objects from your mind. It's like, I really want a Coke right now, but I don't want to go to the store and pay for it. There's a Coke. Yes, with ice. Da, da, da. That'd be amazing. And also being able to open portals in space and time. I mean, that would also be handy. Like time travel, travel through space, or free Coke. I'm gonna have to go with the coke thing. Hundreds of subjects were used, many being lured or kidnapped from the streets, and those who weren't lost in space and time or killed and disposed of were subjected to intense memory manipulation so they wouldn't be able to remember what was done to them. Honestly, probably for the best. There was one person in particular who possessed extra strong psychic abilities, and one day, after some other people working on the project agreed it had gone too far, he was given the signal to let rip. In the Montauk chair, as it was called, he conjured a beast from his mind which manifested somewhere in the labs, laying waste to anything it could find, until the only thing left to do was get rid of it and totally destroy all of the equipment and radar needed to carry out the experiments. Finally, after everything was smashed up, the beast vanished and the project was ended. In 1984, after crack military teams had removed anything worth salvaging from the site, the underground area was filled in with cement. 
All right, that all sounds a little bit far-fetched, but is there anything worth extracting from it? Why, yes! Those little kernels of truth that we mentioned in the beginning do exist, even in a tale as odd as this, so let's get to those before decoding any further. There's always some kernel. I just recorded an episode about people who thought they'd like travel back in time to like Paris in the 1700s or whatever, and it was like the kernel of truth was they went to Paris. <laughs> it's like, what's the kernel of truth behind this? It's a radar base. <laughs> MK Ultra, which... In one of my earliest YouTube videos that I ever made, because it's pre- it's spelt like MK Ultra one word, although here it's two words, but when I had it first time, it was one word, and I pronounced it McUltra. <laughs> People were like, ah, McUltra. <laughs> what is this, a McDonald's burger from the CIA, Simon? You idiot. Almost as bad as there was a, like, I don't follow cartoons. I don't like cartoons. I got no interest in all that Marvel sh**. Um... <laughs> smash that dislike button and there was this some apparently there's some cartoon character in whatever called dark side but his name is spelt dark seed and i spent an entire video calling him dark seed and people were like ah dark seed simon what is he a dark seed and i was like i don't care i don't care but it was really early on in my career and i was like oh my god how could i make such a mistake now i'm just like Fuck it who gives a shit mcultra Zoiks! Have the US government ever been up to some shady things? In the 1950s, the CIA started a project called MKUltra, which lasted for 10 years and was totally classified and top secret. This was of good reason, because it turned out they were illegally experimenting on people and giving them mind-altering drugs with the aim of controlling their minds. This is so this is completely true. There were like there there was like fake brothels that they set up and sh- it was intense. Like CIA is like uh, <laughs> they're up to some shady in 1977, hearing about the project, Senator Inouye kicked things off by saying, quote, It should be emphasized that the programs that are of greatest concern have stopped and that we are reviewing these past events in order to better understand what statutes and other guidelines might be necessary to prevent the recurrence of such abuses in the future. We also need to know and understand what is now being done by the CIA in the field of behavioral research to be certain that no abuses are occurring. It's like, no, we only did bad things in the past and the CIA is now perfect dude you could have just say we made a mistake you don't have to say like it sounds <laughs> it sounds like something that's going to come back to haunt you doesn't it see abuses greatest concern it was really bad stuff the hearing only came about because the cia left some incriminating documents lying around after having destroyed everything else pertaining to project mcultra in the early 1970s the project wasn't confined to a single location either it was carried out across north america with u.s and canadian citizens becoming test subjects to see how far drugs and psychological techniques could go in controlling someone's mind according to the hearing some of the stuff they were investigating included substances which will promote illogical thinking and impulsiveness to the point where the recipients would be discredited in public. So, <laughs> just dosing people with drugs, right? Materials which will prevent or counteract the intoxicating effect of alcohol, and conversely, materials which will promote the intoxicating effects of alcohol. Both of those, those sound great, because it's like, I'd love to have just one beer and then have like some little pill or whatever that makes you feel like I've had three beers. And then when I'm done with those three beers and I want to drive home, there'll be another pill and it'd be like, and the beers are gone. This would be perfect. Did they get any far with this? Can I buy it on eBay? Materials which will render the induction of hypnosis easier or otherwise enhance its usefulness. Substances which will enhance the ability of individuals to withstand privation, torture, and coercion during interrogation or so-called brainwashing. Wow, dibs are not getting that one. Yeah, that one sounds like... it. Yeah, that's not going to be funny. You don't want to test that one because they'll be like, let's see if this anti-torture thing works. Rip the guy's fingernails out and see how he feels about it. <laughs> no, thank you. 
No, thank you. Substances which produce physical disablement, such as paralysis of the legs, acute anemia, ETC. Also, hard pass on that one. So, CIA, it sounds like you're making some awesome shit and also some horrible shit. You may be wondering how and why anyone would volunteer to go through tests like this. Well, that's why the project was so contentious. A lot of the test subjects had no real idea why they were there and were unwittingly dosed with drugs such as LSD for experimental purposes. Many were people from marginalized areas of society such as the homeless, sex workers, and the terminally ill. They didn't have the knowledge, means, or strength to fight against what was happening to them. And the hearing concluded that the MK Ultra project demonstrated, quote, a fundamental disregard for the value of human life. <laughs> when your science experiment is described as having a fundamental disregard for the value of human life, it's like, oh, you've been up to some Nazi shit, haven't you, boy? But you're still the bestest, most loyal little Nazi I've ever met. Okay, that's McUltra, the delicious CIA burger in a very tiny nutshell. But the point of that story was to show you that the US government has been proven to use unwitting people as guinea pigs for experiments involving mind-altering drugs in very secretive conditions. It happens with MKUltra. So why couldn't it have gone a step further a couple of decades later with Project Montauk? I don't know, because drugs are real and radar entering your mind is not real, Katie? Maybe that's why. Campiro. There are some bona fide odd things about the remains of the Air Force Station military base. According to the legend, the underground rooms were filled in with cement so no one would be able to get in there. The remaining buildings are off limits to park visitors and many have boarded up doors and entrances warning people not to trespass and to be aware of falling objects etc. There were also many suspicious looking manhole covers and concrete slabs in the ground dotted around all over the place. Manhole covers, sure, people might have needed to get underground for non-suspicious reasons, but random slabs of concrete and otherwise grassy areas, this seems like something has been purposefully concealed. People have checked the official blueprints for the site, and they don't show any subterranean buildings. Christopher Garitano, who made a documentary called Montauk Chronicles in 2015, has checked out the park hundreds of times and has never been given permission to do any kind of excavating under the ground. He did manage to use geophysical equipment to take some readings, though, and according to the results from the electronic resistive imagery, it showed a large man-made structure under the ground. No one's allowed to actually do any digging around the base, though, so I guess we're not likely to find out if this is true or not. His dock currently is rated 4 on IMDb. Make it that what you will, a 90 years out of 10, that is not a good score. But that just could be because it's a like not very well-made documentary, as in I've not seen it. I mean, it's not a big stretch to believe that there are there's an underground facility under this Air Force base. If there was an Air Force base and it didn't have underground tunnels, I'd kind of be surprised, to be honest. Also, while the base was supposedly totally decommissioned in the early 1980s, a man called Brian Minnick and some friends went poking around before it officially became a state park in 2002. They found rooms decorated with psychedelic patterns, wallpaper, sealed off entryways and bills from the late 1980s for massive food orders of thousands of dollars a month, years after the base was supposedly closed down. Does this indicate that people were still secretly working away down there? Yeah, it kind of does, doesn't it? Which again, this is totally believable because it's a secret military base. That it, I'm like, yeah, sure, okay, this can go, this can go. Doesn't mean we're using radar to look into people's minds. Of course it fucking doesn't! So maybe stranger things were afoot at Camp Hero after all, but were they quite as strange as the story says? Let's take it back to the beginning, and as usual with a lot of these stories, most of the information in the legends can be traced back to one source. But this one also has an interesting co-contributor. Preston B. Nichols 
Introducing Mr. Preston B. Nichols. If we follow the story of the Montauk Project backward, all of the details about the experiments, the portals, and the manifested beast come from his 1992 book, The Montauk Project Experiments in Time, which was written with Mr. Peter Moon, which was apparently a pen name for someone called Vince Barbaric. Yes, his pen name was more realistic sounding than his actual name, and he's not the interesting co-contributor that we just mentioned. You'll just need to wait a bit for him. Anyway, the text of the Montauk Project is available online, and quite frankly, it's a gripping read. It starts with Nichols, an electrical engineer, immediately jumping into how he started getting interested in metaphysics in the 1970s and started working with psychics to get electromagnetic readings from them or something. He noticed that they all experienced a strange mind block or jam at the same time every day, and he eventually managed to trace the source of this block to a radar at the Montauk base. He couldn't make any headway with his investigations, but he did visit in 1984 after it was decommissioned. He found some weird equipment and eventually managed to get an appointment with the base's caretaker. This Is this real or is this fiction? It feels fictional, doesn't it? It's like that wonderful thing that we often see on Decoding the Unknown, where it's like, Someone has written something fictional and then labeled it as non-fiction because it makes it more interesting, it makes it more sellable, because money. On subsequent visits, he met a man who recognized him, although Nichols had no idea who this man was. Another stranger then turned up at his house, claiming Nichols had been his boss. Nichols started investigating what had been happening at Montauk, hearing stories of strange weather occurrences from the locals. Then another stranger turned up who was the key in Nichols' story. This man, calling himself Duncan Cameron, knew plenty about the Montauk base, and when Nichols actually took him there, it was like a floodgate opened in Cameron's brain as memory was unlocked and all this information came pouring out of his mouth. I'm going to leave Mr. Cameron here for a minute, spewing out his knowledge of secret projects, and jump a bit forward in Preston's story. It turns out that not only was Preston B. Nichols also suffering from a severely repressed memory, he had actually been existing on two different time tracks or realities for years. Oh, he had had he. He had had he. Had he been not taking his medication? He found this out when, among other things, he found band-aids on his hands that he didn't remember going to the nurse's office for. He apparently got the bruises and abrasions while he was moving stuff around in his other reality. Now it's all sounding a bit like the show Severance, which was very good, by the way, well worth a watch. Yeah, it was. I can't wait for the second season of that. That was a great show. Was that an apple? That was a cracker. I feel, I feel like Apple makes, like, when I watch a show on there, it's going to be better than like a Netflix original show these days. What else was on Apple? The Morning Show? That was great. Look, this isn't Simon Recommends TV shows, but those are two great shows that are worth watching. Anyway, Nichols eventually managed to enter the alternate reality when he was consciously in the real one and found out that he was an assistant project director on the Montauk base. What was happening to his body when he was in the other reality, I have no idea, and his real-world job was not on the Montauk base, so God knows how he was going between the two. Instead of using this, I feel like this could be just have a look at his car. Like, I've got a vague idea. Like, I'll look in my car. And you know, you, you drive in and you see that little odometer on the dash, and you're like, okay, this is how many, I guess, kilometers my car has done. And if that was just getting really high really quick, I'd be like, <laughs> am I driving that much? And I wouldn't immediately be like, I'm having blackouts and driving to a job that I don't have. I'd be like, who's driving my car? <laughs> who's bloody driving my car around? Instead of using this guy on the Montauk project, then erasing his memories and sending him back to work at his other office every day, why didn't they just employ two different people? I skipped through the next part of Nichols' book as it was boring and met lots of complicated stuff about how to potentially activate alternate realities, but then got to a good bit when he gave a possible source for the financing of Project Montauk. Montauk. It was Nazi gold. Wait, why would you need, like, outside funding to fund this military project on a US military basis? The US military. They have more money than the Nazi goals. 
They've got loads of money. Have you seen the US military? It's enormously expensive. In a theory that's somewhat lacking in detail or evidence, Nichols, <laughs> Nichols wrote, quote, I do not have documented evidence myself of the financing, but have been told by my Montauk acquaintances that the original money came courtesy of the Nazis. In 1944, an American troop train went through a French tunnel carrying $10 billion worth of Nazi gold. This train was dynamited in the tunnel while carrying 51 GIs. I've been told this gold eventually show up, showed up at Montauk, and it was $10 billion of gold, priced then at $20 an ounce. This was the equivalent of about $200 billion in today's currency. It was used to finance the project initially and for years to come. I mean, that's a bigger leap than I make in some of these episodes, yet this shit is just made up. Also, $200 billion in gold? That is... I mean, gold is small, like, for the value it holds. But that is a lot of gold. <laughs> a lot. Nichols then goes on to detail how the Montauk chair was created. This started as a mind-reading machine and then got turned into a transmitter, amplifying people's psychic abilities and eventually enabling them to transmit across realities. Okie dokie then. Despite working on the project himself, Nichols wasn't sure what technology was being used in the mind-reading chair. It is bookie speculates that aliens from Sirius might have been giving them a helping hand. Mate, you are off your meds, son. Like, you've got, you, you, it's financed by Nazi gold. How'd you get that made up? I heard it from someone. I heard it from my mate. He said it. 200 million, billion dollars in gold from a Nazi train in France. And uh, what about that radar thing? It's aliens from Sirius. Mate, you need to you need to get back on the meds. All right. Finally, I've come to the crux. I have purposefully kept a large detail out of the story, as, as you can imagine, it makes it even less believable than it has been up to this point. If you haven't already, take a look at our episode on the Philadelphia Experiment, as it's now making a huge cameo in the Montauk Project story. And the familiar face that I mentioned at the start? Well, in the Philadelphia Experiment, a US military ship supposedly undergoing a test to make it invisible to enemy detection actually turned it inv actually turned invisible for reals and also teleported itself over 100 miles away before reappearing with all the crew melded in with the ship, etc. Yeah, it was not real. <laughs> <laughs> it was a movie. There was a movie based on this in the 1980s, and a man called Al Bilek saw it and suddenly unlocked a whole set of repressed memories. Here we go. The crazies are coming out of the woodwork. He remembered that he and his brother had been on the USS Eldridge, the ship that vanished, and they had jumped off just as the experiment was beginning. They had entered some kind of vortex and... Oh, wait, no, this is the... Um, wait, is this the Philadelphia experiment? This, this is, right? I remember this. They entered some kind of vortex and had found themselves hundreds of years in the future. Luckily, he made his way back and onto the paranormal presentation circuit. Good for you, Al. Yeah, he's getting paid, isn't he? He's getting his money! Well, guess what? According to Nichols, the stuff that was happening in Montauk in the early 1980s actually managed to rip a hole back in time to the Philadelphia experiment in 1943. Thus was a sort of wormhole created between the two times. And not only were Al Bilek and his bro on the Eldridge, the Duncan Cameron we left babbling away a couple of pages ago, was none other than Bilek's brother. What? Apparently Bilek's recovered memory meant that he realized his true identity was that of Ed Cameron, and his brother was this Duncan Cameron, because of course it was. Mate, get back on your drugs. This is like, what? This is bizarre. It's like, a delusion a crazy delusion so yeah if this wasn't unbelievable enough the story of the philadelphia experiment plays a massive part in the story of project montauk 
If you haven't seen the other episode, spoiler alert, it's pretty clear the whole Philadelphia Experiment tale sprung from the mind of a man called Carl M. Allen, so this really then calls into question every single thing Nichols writes in his book. The dedication in the Montauk Project is even giving us, given us, this book is dedicated to the memory of the crew of the USS Eldridge and to those who gave their life at Montauk. I mean, if you're going to do some kind of conspiracy theory spin-off, at least do one that's a little bit more credible than the bloody Philadelphia Experiments. Yes, we already debunked the Philadelphia Experiments so hard, and we have to be here again with this, don't we? God damn it, guys, just stop it. I mean, it's far. It's just, just except. Look, the, the wise people do this money. They wrote a book. They sell a book. There's some sort of weird legacy that they have. Look, we're talking about in this bloody podcast, even though we're making fun of them. Like, if you can't get famous, infamy will do. Is the seems to be the 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 thing for these guys. Back to the story then, for no other reason that it's pretty entertaining. <laughs> it is. It is. I'm having a good time. Nichols writes that various time portals were opened to anger the main one that ran from 1943 to 1983. What I'm not sure about is how they actually created the 1943 one. Was the Philadelphia Experiment the result of the time portal that they opened back to 1943, or did doing the Philadelphia Experiment in 1943 create it? I think we can all agree that most conspiracy theories don't like getting bogged down in the details, so let's just carry on. Nichols describes how participants in the Montauk Project were sent through these various portals to wander around for a bit while recording video and being able to hear radio transmissions from their handlers. Unluckily, Nichols was always manning the switch to open these portals, so unfortunately could never see or hear much of what these time travelers were experiencing. Such a shame. He does say that there was a huge library of videos, but he was never able to watch any of them. Oh no, or release them to the public or anything real like that, right? What a shame. All new time travelers were sent forward in time to the same place, 6037 AD, which was apparently a ghost town with a big gold horse statue in the middle. Nichols used the horse as the image for the front cover of his book. In 1981 or 1982, the Montauk researchers finally succeeded in getting people to travel to Mars. Oh my lord, what are you going on about? Maybe this was the inspiration behind the Stargate movies and shows. That's for you, Simon. I've heard you're a fan. I am. I'm a big fan. Love Stargate. I'm watching the whole series again right now. I'm on like season six, something like that. It's so good. There are pyramids on Mars that aren't natural formations, you see, and I'll let, tell you, I'll let Nichols tell you what happens, as it's easier than trying to explain it myself. To quote, The directors of the Montauk Project knew there was a colony on Mars. It is more than likely that they were a part of the conspiracy. Mars was interesting to the Montauk researchers because they had realized that there was an old technology there. They knew somebody had built the pyramids and face on Mars. They were not natural formations. <laughs> All right, steady on, mate. According to the information that my associates and I have dug up, the people who were living on the surface of Mars could not get to the underground area beneath the pyramid. The entrances were either sealed over or simply couldn't be found. In fact, it appeared that the big pyramid was sealed better than the pyramid at Giza. That's the end of the quote. Okay, care to divulge what this research was that you had dug up to prove there were people living on the surface of Mars? No. <laughs> There's no <laughs> Get back on your drugs. Okay, then carry on, Mr. Nichols. The quote continues. Despite all the expensive and fancy technology that was available, the pyramid could not be penetrated. The scientists at Montauk decided the best approach would be to project right into the center of the Martian undergrounds. The newly discovered Montauk technology gave them wherewithal to use a spatial warp to get inside. They wanted to get in the underground cavern. These were thought to be set up and administered by a very old civilization. And then what? And then what? Using the time portals. Mars. 
had been scoured for live inhabitants. Researchers had to push back about 125,000 years before they could find any. I don't know what they found out or what they did with the information. Duncan has tried to access this information, but it's buried deep and it's difficult to contact. <laughs> it's entertaining, but that's all it is. These guys, it's just a fiction story. <clears throat> It'd be like us trying to analyze Harry Potter. What? Again? A thoroughly scientific amazing breakthrough, but there's no payoff for us poor schlubs reading the story or living in the real world? That would be like fairly major news. It'd be like, there's loads of cool technology on Mars because there was a really old civilization who were like up to shit. You'd be like, whoa, man, I would have heard of this. That's cool. Thankfully, it wasn't long after this that Nichols and some colleagues started having misgivings about the whole thing and its potential effects on the planet. He doesn't seem to feel too guilty towards the alleged hundreds or unwilling of unwilling kidnapped victims used to do the experiments, some of whom he mentioned earlier is literally floating about totally lost in time and space. Anyway, big psychic brain Duncan Cameron is used to manifest a big hairy monster to destroy the base on the 12th of August, 1983, and both ends of the time portal end up having to be disabled to get the beast to disappear. Nichols writes, After the bizarre occurrences of the 12th of August, 1983, the Montauk base virtually emptied. The power is restored, but lights were left on with everything in disarray. Most of the personnel were eventually rounded up, debriefed, and brainwashed accordingly. And that's more or less that. There were a few other characters popping up every so often, also claiming to be one of the so-called Montauk boys that had, that had experienced horrible abuse at the hands of the research team, but they don't really add anything else to the story. As we've been decoding as we went along, I don't think there's really much need for a big debunking section at the end here. I did want to add that at the start of the book, Nichols actually writes, This work is being presented as non-fiction, as it contains no falsehoods to the best knowledge of the authors. However, it can also be read as pure science fiction if that's more suitable for the reader. <laughs> definitely it's because it's just it's it's science fiction but it's bad science fiction um unless you present it as semi-fact but i think that's a great way to get like a shit book and be like make it a bit more appealing is like it's like da vinci code which is i mean i enjoyed that book to be fair but it's like just right in the front this is just fact and it makes it like way more interesting Ah, uh, way to stick to your convic convictions there, Nichols and Moon. And this is the o and this is only the first book in a series of five that these guys wrote about Montauk. I wonder why they'd write four more books about this. I wonder if it could have something to do with money. That'd be that's that's an interesting idea, isn't it? So we have Montauk Project, Experiments in Time, then comes Montauk Revisited, Adventures in Synchronicity. Next up is Pyramids of Montauk, Explorations in Consciousness, doing well with the subtitles here, aren't they? And the last two in the series are only tangentially linked to Montauk, being encountering the play 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 aids, an inside look at UFOs, and lastly the music of time without a subtitle. Whereas Preston Nichols comes forward and reveals his hidden role in the recording industry. Seriously, how many time drags was this guy on? This is just crazy. It's just like money spinning. Conclusions there are still many people today making documentaries and doing research of what might have gone on at Montauk. It's interesting to speculate that there might well have been secret stuff going on, as it was hardly unprecedented at the time. Totally! This is how we started this episode. Like, it's totally <clears throat> reasonable to think that there could have been secret stuff going on at this base. Of course there could. It's a secret military base with underground tunnels that probably were there, in my opinion. It would definitely be worth digging into if it ends up uncovering horrible abuses carried out by the CIA or more evidence of possible mind control research that they were up to. However, do we believe that portals were open? to the past and future and even to Mars. Personally, no, I do not believe this. Yeah, me neither, Katie. In fact, I find it utterly ridiculous. The entire time portal and mind power aspect of the Montauk project comes from Preston B. Nichols's book, with no other corroborating accounts or evidence to support him. 
Anyone else coming forward to also claim they were involved can be written off as knowingly making it up for fun or notoriety, or just seeing it as an answer for other unresolved issues that they may have, probably due to repressed trauma or PTSD. The whole Philadelphia experiment link is also bizarre, and to me it just makes the whole thing seem more ludicrous rather than making it more believable. It's like me saying that the Tooth Fairy exists because I saw her hanging out with the Easter Bunny. It is, and it's insane. Al Bielek's insertion into the story also seems totally odd. He just seems to go wherever the winds of the latest can spirits thing are blowing, but I guess everybody needs a hobby. So congrats to Preston B. Nichols for cracking the urban legend code with this one and spawning a whole raft of entertaining shows such as Stargate, Stranger Things, and Severance into the bargain. I don't think Stargate, it's like, this isn't really related to Stargate at all. I don't, no, no. I, it's, it, it, it just made, it's a bad science fiction story. The base may no longer be functioning, but the story of the Montauk Project lives on. Thoroughly decoded. Thoroughly debunked. Thank you, Katie, for writing it. Thank you for watching if you or listening. If you enjoy this show and you're watching it, like, subscribe. If you're listening, why not? Well, also subscribe, leave a review. That would be fantastic. And I'll see you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.